0: Are you sheltering in place? Isolated? Feeling alone?
1: <coughs>
0: well then, you're just like us. Hit me. <coughs> from Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the quarantined hit. It's time for a shut in. The Soundcast stimulus package featuring snippets from comedy Soundcast. And now, here's your host for this episode, Mark Hurshaw. Mark Hershaw.
2: Thanks Bill hey, Haywatt, and welcome to the first installment of Succotash Shut-In of 2021. You can punch me in the nuts and call me a soprano, but what a hell of a year it's been already, and we're not even a month in. This is more like 2020 just won't let go. I did not have the President Insights Insurrection on my New Year bingo card. Things are so unsettled in the U.S. right now that I was debating whether to come back from our scheduled holiday break or not. But in the end, realized that both you and I could probably do with some laughs, courtesy of the fine folks whose soundcasts were clipping this time around. Before I tell you who we have in store today, if you didn't catch our last episode before the holidays, featuring my every other weekly co-host Tyson Saner, be sure to check out episode 234 featuring his interview with Cassandra Cardenas, which can be found on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on our very own home site, succotashshow.com. This week, we're featuring clips from such comedy wonderfulness as Fantastic with Dana Carvey, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, Auntie Donna Podcast, and From the Oast House with Alan Partridge. Some heavy hitters in this week, but what the heck? It's the first show of the year, and we needed something strong to get that taste of radical unrest out of our ears. In addition, we're sponsored by Henderson's Pants, new Auld Lang Syne Pants, and probably for the last time that I'm hosting the show, TrumpPoetry.com, which is rapidly winding down to Inauguration Day. All right, let's get clipping. Next up is a brand new show from an old friend of Succotash and frequent guest, Dana Carvey. In fact, he was last on this past November in Epi 229. He's been talking about doing his own show for years. I was even the announcer and kind of sidekick on a soundcast pilot we did a few years ago that never went anywhere. But now there's fantastic with Dana Carvey. He's got no one telling him what to do. There's no network, no bosses, just him. A sidekick named Chris Rios who happens to be the woman who cuts his hair, and his son, Dex, who is producing the show. He talks to an old comedian pal, Larry Bubbles Brown, another old succotash friend, and also to his younger sister, Lori. This clip is from when Dana introduces us to a new character he's been working on, a blue-collar comedian named Red Rednecky, the Redneck Comedian.
3: (laughs) Okay, and now, because Chris is... (laughs) We did some practice runs at Chris's sister. You know, I'm 40 years in the business. She picked out something I've never done anywhere but on a bat. And it was just an idea of a comedian named Red Rednecky, the Redneck Comedian.
1: Well, give the, like, background from being a comedian. Because... the thing is, like, when you explain, like, that type of – there is a type of
4: comedian. Yes, that is there's
3: active. there's what's that type of, There's observational comics. There's um, kind of East Coast complaining comics. You know, why, you know, what drives me nuts, Calamari, you know, those guys. <laughs> and then the blue-collar comedians um, who are great, and I've met um, Larry the Cable Guy, Dan, uh, in Tahoe. Super smart, super sweet. Uh, it's a brilliant act, and he used to do Larry the Cable Guy – um as part of his regular stand up and then david spade said hey buddy you should just do the blue collar guy you know like a, and now all the blue collar guys ron white brilliant comics they all have their own golf stream <laughs> which i may have mentioned in one of the practice podcasts but so i just wrote should i do the first two red red neckies again probably yes so this is just the, uh, folks this folks. is intentionally bad <laughs> and that's why it's funny it's like a comedian that doesn't really exist. He's little Jeff Foxworthy. He's a little Larry the Cable guy. And his name, first of all, makes me laugh Red, Red Necky, the Redneck Comedian. It's like, I don't know where that comes from, but it's just funny that he says it so many times in a row. It's kind of awkward. I'm,
4: I'm Red, Red the
3: Redneck Comedian. You ever crap so big
4: you don't think you can get down that turtlet?
3: <laughs> Come and get some. <laughs> Texas frantically. I'm going to do another one. So it'd be uh, do it after, come and get some. So the second one, which I've done is uh, that one is if you, again, the worst comedy ever, you ever crap so big you don't think it, get down that turlet. And that's come and get some is his catchphrase, which I love. The second one I thought of was. uh, Which comedians do sometimes about dogs hearing? You know, you fart so loud, dog too state awake going, what that? Come and get some. <laughs> so now, because I knew we were going to do this, I thought, oh, I got to think of one. I don't know if this is inappropriate, but I wanted no. to think of one. It's not scatological, but it's something else. Uh, let's see if I let me see in my head if I have it right for a second. Wait a second
1: nothing's inappropriate in Good podcast man.
3: land. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one actually kind of makes sense. So wait till he says, come and get some.
4: You know, I'm red, red, A redneck comedian. You know, went to the beach with my wife the other day. I take my shirt off. She goes, oh, you so fat. You got man titties. I said, come and get some. <laughs>
3: So that's a pretty good joke. Yeah. But that actually works with come and get some. Normally, it doesn't make any sense. You ever fart so loud, you got a dog 2 stayed away? Go, what well, dad? Come and get some. <laughs> you know, but this one, let me do it one more time. <laughs> I think I was kind of out of the voice. The yeah, I one, Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: You got a little, it was like a Southern Fauci.
4: It was a Southern
3: Fauci. <laughs> you got
1: to get more well, hillbilly.
4: Yeah, you ever. <laughs> This is Doctor Fauci. You've gotta control your bowel movements by eating a lot of rough roughage. <laughs> Come and get some. Bone.
3: <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: well, I'm red rednecky, a redneck comedian. I'm going beach with a wife. I took my shirt off. She looked at me. She go, "You so fat. You got man titties." I said, "Come and get some." <laughs>
3: And you should know, people listening, is that my palms are <laughs> facing up. I move them in toward my body and clench my fists. It's like, come and get some, if you can visualize that.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say there's a whole physical aspect to red Road, yeah Neck-y And <laughs> red I want to
3: uh, I give special thanks to uh, Dex on the levers providing <laughs> sound effects.
2: Come and get some. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. With Dana Carvey. That's the name of the show. Fantastic with an exclamation point. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and we'll be doing a slow rollout to other platforms in the coming weeks. I also reviewed that episode for This Week in Comedy Podcasts on Vulture.com last week. So you can go find that or uh, there's a link to it actually up on our show blog at com. A show that really delivers entertainment and a lot of laughs is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I grabbed a clip from a recent episode where Conan's guest was Matthew Rhys, who's not only a terrific actor from stuff like The Americans, Perry Mason, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but he turns out to be a really funny, funny guy. I also didn't expect his amazing Welsh accent, which I had never heard before. In this clip, they talk about the character of Perry Mason and how much wigs played into the action of the TV show The Americans.
5: You know, when I watch Perry Mason, I think this is the kind of role that would bring out the child in me so much because you're wearing the fedora, you've got the beat up leather jacket with the tie and you're smoking and you're drinking scotch. It's it looks like it would be just such a blast.
6: I mean, the the sad truth is there are moments where you do think that's every dream you've ever wanted, which is to play those kind of you know, those Bogart parts. And then when it comes to the moment where you're smoking a herbal cigarette and drinking cold tea, you sort of go, oh, oh, this is disgusting. This is cold tea. It's not whiskey. <laughs> and then you realize yeah, yeah. you just wanted yeah. to be those characters. You didn't actually want to be an actor playing the part. You actually right. wanted to be those people. And that's when I I did have that moment in Mason was like, ah, it's not, qu- it's not quite what I wanted because I'm still... I'm still just pretending. It's, you know, it's as close as you can ever be, but there's still that element. It's like when you, you go shark fishing for the first time and you, you kind of, or, you know, you, you're always pretending to be Robert Shaw in Jaws. Yeah. And then you realize, I, no, I just wanted to be a shark fisherman. I don't I don't want to be Robert Shaw pretending. Right. I don't even want to be that. I want to be
5: someone who's at the aquarium seeing a shark behind seven feet of glass. Yes. But still acting like I've got the balls of a Robert Shaw. Yes. You know? <laughs> Still like- acting like ah, uh, you and me, shark. <laughs> we'll, you know, look at his cold, dead eyes. But it's behind eight feet of glass. Yes, and I'm eating cotton candy. Yes, completely
6: protected. I think that could be the beginning of something. Actually, that the, the kind of the prequel to as to how how Quint became Quint. He went to an aquarium. Yes, yes, <laughs> with some cotton candy. You're lucky with this eight feet of plexiglass. <laughs> Oh, if it weren't for this Pepsi glass, <laughs> yes. oh, you'd be dead,
5: Shark. <laughs> and he comes from very well, his nanny's like, come along. Yes. <laughs> He's just a big, big rich kid. <laughs> you know, it's funny. One of the things that I, I think plays to a strength of yours is... is You're very, I can tell you're a very funny person or you have a great sense of comedic timing because there's so much about Perry Mason. You are the iconic American heavy, but you're always getting the piss taken out of you. You're always put in humiliating situations. You're always down on your luck. There's a great scene where you've taken dirty photos of a, a film comedian and then he surprises you when you're in a phone booth and he just kicks the shit out of you. It's so great because you're always back on your heels in a way that I think allows you to be, you're admirable, but you're incredibly vulnerable. And you're also, there, there are times when you really are not that admirable. And I think that's, that it, it's fun. It's great to see you do all that. I would, I mean,
6: that, was, that was just a gift that kind of, you know, Roland Jones and Ron Fitzgerald wrote. Uh, And they said right off the bat in the first meeting they said, look, we're gonna load his bases. He's gonna be incredibly fallible. He's gonna do a lot of wrong. He's gonna do a lot of right. We're gonna give him a lot of depth. And you know, he's got he's got a hell of a a hell of a journey to go on. So I was I was hooked from the the pitch because it was everything it's everything that's fun to do. It's everything that's interesting to do. And they just they wrote it beautifully. And it, it
5: couldn't just all be luck because you're obviously uh you choose well, but in the Americans you're, as you said, you're playing someone who's constantly shape shifting. Hmm. So, to me, the only reason I'd ever get into acting is if I could pretend to smoke a cigarette and if I could wear a wig. <laughs> and you were constantly, you and Carrie are constantly wearing wigs. Yeah, there some of them. Sometimes they look like high school production wigs, but you still manage to pull it off because it's realistic that you'd have a 1980s wig. You wouldn't have the Mission Impossible
6: wig. No, I, and that was <clears throat> that was kind of the beauty and the fun and the kind of maddening elements of it is like, you know, there there wasn't much of a a wig budget. So we had this incredible, you know, hair designer who had basically a box of wigs that she would, that she would pull out and then she would try try and put on Kerry's head and then she would try and put it on my head and if it fitted us both if she could work it but onto both our heads it would be a keeper and it would like kind of throw into a box <laughs> I swear to god there were wigs we sh- that'll be the title of my book like wigs we've shared there was yeah. one wig we called John Denver because it looked like John Denver's hair and it was <laughs> that was the wig we wore more times in the Americans than any other wig And we had the woman from the CIA come in to kind of who did the disguise of the CIA and she was like, "You kind of got both elements because some of them should like all the wigs that the CIA ever used were terrible wigs because they were only right. to be used from afar like you would never use a wig if you were getting close with you know right, uh, so you kind of got that element, but then you do have a number of wigs that are far too good that we would never use we'd never use the lace and all of that, so we you know we we were we were touching all the bases, but we did have we did have a lot of fun it, the, all the fun came in in the wig fittings where you were trying give yourself as many characters in the makeup room given that one wig before you had to step out onto set and be all serious again.
5: Right. It would explain why occasionally, uh, because you were sharing a wig, your character, though male, was wearing a beehive hairdo.
1: Yes.
6: (laughs) And then I'd go to work.
2: (laughs) As I was saying before, it's hard to go wrong with any episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and you're sure to find some favorite episodes along the way. That was one of mine for sure. And now, even though it's a little past New Year's, it's never too late for your butt and a pair of old Lang Syne pants from Henderson's Pants.
0: Hello, friends, and Happy New Year from Henderson's Pants. As you set out with a freshly minted batch of resolutions for the new year, bound and determined to make at least some of them stick, be sure that one of those vows is to get yourself a pair of old lang slacks from Henderson's. Crafted from recycled calendar pages from last year, old lang slacks are then reinforced with the resolve of those who failed to follow through on their plans to better themselves. Double stitched with the pain of failure, these pants are designed to stay with you throughout the coming year while keeping you on track when it comes to fulfilling those oh so important obligations to yourself. Here's the secret. Thanks to microchip technology, your old Lang slacks are fully wired and ready for you to program in up to one dozen New Year's resolutions or 18 heartfelt promises not to let others down. Each time the pants sense that you're straying off that old resolution path, you'll get a jolt in your nether region that'll make you wish you hadn't slipped into that pair of the most comfortable pants you've ever owned. But too late now. Another vital feature of Henderson's Old Lang Slacks is the accountability time lock zipper and clasp. These pants won't come off until your resolutions are complete. Originally designed for parole violators, deadbeat dads, and political candidates, Henderson's old-lang slacks are available to ring in the new year at a church, synagogue, or mosque near you. That's Henderson's, makers of fine hair shirts and Iron Maidens since 1206 A.D. And now, back to Sagatang.
2: I was originally turned onto this sketch group from New Zealand called Auntie Donna by a friend of Succotash, Jason McNamara, or just jabs. If you're nasty, Uh, Auntie Donna has a limited run TV show on Netflix produced by Ed Helms. That is totally whacked out. It's bizarre and it's completely wonderful, but they've also had a soundcast. That's been under my radar for the past five or so years called aptly enough. Auntie Donna at the end of 2020, is it actually over yet? The trio had a two-part best of 2020 show where they featured their top 10 or 11, they couldn't quite decide, sketches from their show. This clip features the fifth best bit, which eventually is about moms and dads beating their kids. So in this funny moms
7: and dads bit, we belt our kids.
2: And what? enjoy.
8: <laughs> what kind of roof's your favorite roof? Carl Bond's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh I love a calibond. I was trying to get a Calibond a few years ago, got him down for a quote. Yeah the guy and yeah. Was, uh, he, he said oh we're out of the things in your area and we can't we can't sort it for you it was a shame I would have loved to get a colour bond should have talked to my bloke I got a bloke I got a colour bond bloke Well now I know that now I know that I didn't yeah. know that then it's the yeah. shame yeah. Of it. I'll well, get well, you I'll got, get you his we've number we've got colour bond I got a roof we got colour well, I'll get on on you his number uh, if you want to profit I got i I've got a roof now I've Yeah but what I yeah what
7: I'm saying is if you want to get I've it done by bloke out of Beaumonts
8: I can't I'm not getting another roof
7: I'm just saying he'll probably do it cheaper than what you paid for it
8: Right, right, right. You know what I'm
7: saying? Right, We we got our colour bond
9: done down on the on the uh on the beach property. And
8: um I, I don't know.
9: I, I wasn't crazy about it, you know. We what, we had, why, the, the why? tenants were complaining about leaking. Um no, so we you, you went did in a shit job, and, and
7: mate. Sounds oh, like they did a shit job. Yeah, sounds yeah, like it you, know, sounds I like you we... went to a bloke didn't know what he was doing sounds like he did a shit job. Yeah, well, the is should be Come well, on. I thought,
9: this is the thing, initially I thought that would be body, body corporate's responsibility. Right. So I, w- I thought, you know, the roof, surely that's body corporate with the units. Um, and I talked to them and they said, no, you know, it's, it's over your house, that's your responsibility. And I just said, well, what are we paying the fees for? I got really mad at them. I, I sent them an email. Yeah, I, I did. I sent them an email and I just said, "What What are we paying the two thousand dollars for?" You know, th- there's four of us here. This problem is probably a problem for everyone's roof, um, but no, we had to deal with it ourselves. So we just went with the color bond, and I don't think it fixed it at all. Well, I don't know, I, I know
8: about don't know. I don't know about color bond, but
9: um, yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of color bond. I'm much more. You know, we've got tiles at our place, and and. And on the and on the um, on the the one in the southeast tiles aren't going to last you, mate. Tiles aren't going
7: to last you. Got to replace them. They get broken. They fall down. No, I'm just uh,
8: just chill out on the roof stuff. I reckon. I know you know your stuff.
7: I know my stuff about roof. I know my stuff
8: about roofs. Yeah, and if you you go
7: in tiles, I'm sorry,
8: but you fucked up. You know what happened with my kids, they were hopping up on the roof and looking around, throwing stuff, mm. jumping off. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. cracked a few tiles.
7: Yeah, exactly. And then you're replacing the tiles and then you got leaks and then
8: you got mate, it's not. Tell worth you it what, right. I put my foot right up Daniel's lemonade and sauce that far. Oh. Bloody not
9: getting <laughs> oh, on the roof God. again. So. Oh I hit oh. my kids.
7: I hit my kids all the time. Yeah, yeah.
9: Do yeah, you yeah. <laughs> My my kids, my so I've got I've got the two the two oldest, they've yeah. got kids now and yeah. they are just those kids oh God, I, they come over for the for the you know, I'll take them on you know when the when the, their mum's working and I, yeah. I just they are just so full of beans. They're you running the shit around. Out of
7: yeah, 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 I'm yeah, just, yeah.
9: It's just a it, little. I it gets know.
7: to the point, right? The point you want to get to is that as soon as you start to undo your belt buckle, they they're know off. what's coming. They're off, yeah. Right? They're, oh my goodness. So like, <laughs> oh you just you've got to you've got to get them yeah. to the point where they know. You see them do something wrong. Yeah. You look them in the eye. You reach down for your belt, and then they're off.
8: Well, that's how you—that's know, how they trust you. Is when they know, like they trust that you're going to hit them. You know,
1: yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, how you yeah. Treat,
8: that's how you treat yeah. That's how you—that's how you raise trust and love. So my my uh, dad, he whacked the shit out of me. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. and I, I turned yes. out fine. So, yeah. Don't get
9: yeah. me started on the brothers. My my John, that when he was at when he was at school, yeah, he would just get just the relentless shit beaten out of him by the brothers yeah. Yeah. he would do yeah. something naughty you know yeah. he yeah, lost yeah, yeah. he lost both his parents um so he was just acting up because of that and they would just beat the god given shit out of I that think, little boy I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. something we can all
8: agree on is it's gone ridiculous now that
9: you Oh with the not beating oh, the so... shit out of children it's like oh, yeah, no, we, it's you just... know
7: I got I got absolutely belted right <laughs> and I turned out fine like I turned out fine my um Uh, I have an assault charge that I'm taking care of uh, at the moment. Like, I've been charged with assault for uh, that... I think we all do. Yeah, for that kid at Woolworths who uh, tried to overcharge me for uh, plums. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to fucking get started, right? This little shit. But, you know... But with the exception of that one isolated case...
8: Yeah. Right. I think yeah. we've all got him. I was driving down Bell Street, bloke comes up, goes, oh, you're a dickhead, hopped out, grabbed him by the shirt, belted the living Christ out of him in the middle right. of the street. Yeah. Wife comes out, don't, he's sick, leave him alone, he's a sick man. <laughs> I get back in my car and drive off, you know, blood all over my hands, get home, like, don't ask me about it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 um, yeah. But, you know, I think we all have it. But the thing is, you can't eat them anymore. So I don't know what I'm no, supposed it's to do. Absolutely. Addy, a
7: discipline, discipline Addy,
2: <laughs> Those guys on anti Donna are very twisted. I think I'll have jabs back on the show soon. And we'll spend the whole show getting into this soundcast. These, these anti Donna guys. In fact, maybe we'll even try and get them on the show. That would be fantastic. Now, if you've never caught any of the many incarnations of a character named Alan Partridge, uh, created by British comedian and actor Steve Coogan, now is your chance because he finally has his own soundcast. Partridge is a showbiz personality that's just full of himself and has managed to fail downwards ever since his first TV show, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Now he's got From the Oast House. I went to the trouble of looking up Oast House, by the way, and it's a little building for drawing hops as part of the beer brewing process. I think they're probably on a lot of properties in England, much like sheds in the backyard, and Alan Partridge is using his for sound casting. This clip is a chunk that was released as a promo for his second episode and is actually Alan outside the Oast House as he's having a bit of a ramble.
10: Did you know that there are dry stone walls in Cornwall that are over 7,000 years old? Did you know that the British magpie population has quadrupled in recent years? Did you know that most badgers don't carry TB? Did you know that under an old bylaw... If you cut down an oak tree on private land, you can still be hanged for it. I did, because I love the countryside. My name's Alan Partridge, and this is my podcast from the Oast House. I'm Alan Partridge. This is my podcast from the Oast House. Although today you might think I should be Alan Partridge far from the Oast house. Because, as you may be able to hear, I'm outside doing one of the things I like most. I'm rambling. I don't mean talking incessantly um, with no focus. I'm not, uh, I was going to say Lorraine Kelly, but uh, she's not a rambler. She's a witterer. And it's a slightly different thing. No, I mean in traversing the land to enjoy and ingest nature. I do so love to walk, and this will come as a surprise to many because of my well-known passion for the concept of vehicles and my well-known hatred of uh, of bikes and people on bikes. Not all bikes—I I hasten to add—I should point out I'm a big fan of bobbies on bicycles, and uh, I even have a, a vintage push bike with a basket and a bell myself. I've I've been known to tuck my trousers in my socks, ride into the village. And uh, bring-bring up my wife's friend or bring-bring the chap who works in the garage or uh, if I see the neighbour who complained about me idling my car engine in the morning, I'll ride up uh, behind him silently then bring-bring, morning Graham, right in his ear. Now, when I say cyclists, I'm talking about the the non-locals. Uh, who descend on Norfolk every weekend like brightly coloured locusts, because I think any right-minded person feels a wave of revulsion when they see a bunch of 50-year-old cyclists standing outside a shop. It's a ridiculous sight. Middle-aged, skinny man with a bit of a paunch clad in lycra, so they they look like retired superheroes who can't find their capes. And uh, the newsagent doesn't know what's going on. Five minutes ago, he was selling... A local farmer, a packet of tobacco. Now they're selling high-end protein bars to men who look awful. Wear ordinary clothes to ride. What what aerodynamic benefit do they think they're getting wobbling up a hill at six miles an hour? The entire enterprise is mindless. If the objective was to get somewhere quickly, you'd drive. Uh this is... Sorry, I meant... This episode is a live, real-time ramble, so it might not be as refined as uh, it is in the house. That's part of the fun. I'm in my wellies, which, when you're in the countryside, is the coropedal or pedal equivalent of a Range Rover. It means I can go where it's boggy. And you can't do that in a pair of shoals. Um, let's go this way. And This is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. You know, Could I do this with a, a radio show? Not in your nelly, a, with podcasting, it's just you and a mic. If it was a radio show, we'd be casting around two microphones, a mixing desk with jingles and adverts, a t- telephone switchboard, then there'd be me, some sort of sidekick, the guy with a degree who reads the news, a producer, an assistant producer, whatever that is, and, uh, and then the woman from the sales team who keeps coming in every five minutes to say, don't forget to mention the weather sponsored by Millet. Oh, Jesus Christ! ah, oh. oh, Christ! It's all right, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, <laughs> that's the great thing about the countryside, you can fall over; it doesn't matter. It occurred to me, actually, when I was on one of these walks, that you can compare radio stations to infantry because they're, they're ordered but slow-moving, whereas a podcast is more akin to special forces. Light and agile with minimal kit, you get in, get it done and get out. And uh, just as radio stations have their own Geneva Convention in the form of Ofcom regulations, with podcasting and special forces, is more of a grey area. You can do what you want. As long as bad people die, or you maintain the people's interest, you can ride roughshod over human rights or ignore Ofcom. And that's as it should be. The Norfolk countryside is very much part of my life. It's who I am. The footpaths are my arteries, the trees are my bones, the open space is my lungs, the grass is my hair, the canals, the ponds, uh, my my bladder, my bowel, and uh, I wouldn't be painting a full and accurate picture of myself if I, if I didn't share my love of the countryside with you. That's why I'm outside, and... Uh, Also, a chap from Renticle is fumigating the house to kill some mice.
2: (sighs) The one bugaboo about From the Oast House with Alan Partridge is that it's currently hiding behind the paywall over at audible.com. They have some great content over there, so it may be worth it, if you're not already paying it, to go check it out. On the other hand, most of that stuff eventually gets released into the wild, so if you wait around long enough, you'll be able to pick that up probably on Apple Podcasts and other places around the web. I think this may be the last time I get to roll this spot from our sponsor at Trumppoetry.com, because the verses being carefully created by our engineer producer Joe Polino, are scheduled to come to a halt on inauguration day for Joe Biden.
0: This episode of Suckatash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's T-R-U-M poetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry
2: all right that's it for our first show back from the holiday break now we just have to weather the shit storm being kicked up before old orange numb nuts is shot through the grease and run out of town next week if not sooner remember that tyson saner will be here next week for epi 236 with a bouquet of comedy soundcast clips just for you and until i return stay safe Try not to invade any government facilities, wear a mask, and wash your hands. And when you're standing in line to get your COVID vaccine shot, and that person behind you asks if you heard anything good lately, you please be sure to pass the succotash.
0: You've been listening to Succotash Shut In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, with your host, Mark hershon Brought to you by Henderson's Pants, TrumPoetry.com, and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckAtashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on the (laughs) laughable app, and tattooed on your mother's rear end. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at Suckatash Or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. Suckatash. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcast directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash u slash Suckatash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is still Kenny Durgis. And until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please wash your hands and pass the succotash. Goodbye.
4: Boys and girls, step right up for the world's catchiest song.
1: This is the world's catchiest, catchiest song. You're gonna sing singing
2: get to the best part. The whole thing's the
4: best part, you idiot. Sorry.
0: This has been a Suckatash Patch production.